This is Fate's Wide Wheel, a Quantum Leap podcast with Sam and Dennis. Every week, we review an episode of the cult classic time travel series and decide whether it holds up to present day viewing. And hopefully, we'll entertain you along the way. Be sure to check us out on our website, fwwquantumleappod.com, and also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Fate's Wide Wheel. And be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome. We are back at you. At this point, you've probably gotten multiple episodes in, in a short span of time. We're on a bit of a roll, basically because I was delayed by technical difficulties. But now we're kind of back on track here. We got three episodes out in quick succession. This is the first time in a long time that we've recorded two episodes in one week. Yeah. Oh, early on, back in the old days. We're coming up on three years. Back in the old days, we were so ambitious. We would get together on Sunday afternoons. We would record. We regularly were recording like two episodes a Sunday and banking them. We even did a couple of three-episode Sundays. And we were like, oh, no. By the end of the third one, we were just sucking wind. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, 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 you know, and, and the thing is, is, I remember we naively thought, oh, yeah, like three hours will be plenty of time. Like, we'll just get together three hours. We'll bang out two episodes. No big deal. Ah. There were some sessions where I swear it was probably like edging on six hours. I, I remember uh, in our preview episode, you put out the rule that none of our episodes were ever actually longer than the actual episode that we were talking about. And we, oh, God. <laughs> and we have never held to that. You, you brought it up a few weeks ago. I think that when this is all said and done, we'll have actually recorded more content than there are hours of quantum. Yes, to there watch. will be. Yes, uh, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know, look, I, I think that if there's anything that we can take a little bit of pride in is that we we wanted to go deep. Yeah. And and, and I and I feel you know I say this with with ego aside that I feel like we have. You know, we have definitely presented a, an in-depth conversation about the show, and um, have have tried to bring in different perspectives, um, not only our, ourselves but also by bringing in guest hosts when we could, which is something that obviously we haven't been able to do a whole lot of over the past you know six months or so. But um, and I and I you know I think that uh, I, I think that it's okay. I hope it's okay. We I have people okay. listening, so hey, we have hey we have a few people listening. We have some people chiming in. We had uh, we had some uh, feedback on Doctor Ruth already that we posted it this morning. I will uh, remind me. We'll come back around to that at the end of the episode. Yeah. But for now, should we, should we jump in? Yes, sir. Let's do it. We are here today to talk about. Evil Leaper 2, Return of the Evil Leaper, Leaper, the 91st episode, depending on the way you decide to count them, directed by Harvey S. Laidman, written by Richard Oakey. Our air date is February 23rd, 1993, right in the midst of sweeps. Our leap date is October the 8th, 1956. Sam has leapt into Arnold Watkins, and we're in North Falls, New York. Yes, we are. Let's jump into the TV guy description. Uh, Sam leaps into a college nerd who crosses a vengeful frat boy, played by Neil Patrick Harris, in PH. But <laughs> Sam's really crossed up when he encounters the evil leaper, Aaliyah, whom he attempts to deliver from the dark side in a simo-leap that lands them in a women's prison. And it's important to note, the TV Guide description covers both uh, Return and Revenge, because originally it was aired as a two-hour 
movie of the week. This episode, right. this episode, we're only you're only going to be covering the first part, Return of the Evil Leaper, uh, which, as uh, Matt Dale points out in his book, uh, Beyond the Mirror Image. I made a mistake. I, I thought that this was true trilogy, but it's actually true of this episode. Given the previously on that they give us from Deliverers from Evil at the beginning of the episode, uh, plus other clips and how it's divided up, this leap is probably the shortest episode. Just this part. Right. If you count it, it, yeah, if you, yeah, it's the shortest leap if you don't count the, the last part of uh, the pilot episode or Double Identity, for right. example. Right, right. But yeah, no, you're right. I mean, from the time he leaps into Arnold to the time that he and Aaliyah leap out, um, it is probably our shortest, like, proper leap. Because I agree with you. I'm not really counting the double identity leap or, or the, the Genesis leap because I kind of feel like they're, you know, they're, the, the Genesis leap is its own beast and, and, and double identity is... Um... Well, we also... Wait, it's Honeymoon, Honeymoon Express, the one where he's saving the cat in the tree? That is out? true, yes, yeah. There is that, yeah. Mm-hmm. But... Anyway, yeah, I know what you mean. You know, you know what, what I mean. mean. And I'll throw in uh, a, little, a little bit of, of a side tribute here. It's interesting. No, I don't know if we ever mentioned this before on a previous episode, but I think it was mentioned in uh, the Quantum Leap book, the the promo marketing book that was released in the nineties. When he was conceiving the series early on, Don Belisario had the idea of doing two or three short leaps per episode, and even later on in syndication, you could like kind of do like a mix and match kind of thing. Um, yeah, that would have been interesting. I could, I could see some. It would have been interesting if they would have done some episodes where, where it was two leaps and one that had nothing to do with each other, and you could have told just some like really nice short stories. With those. Yeah, because well, I think that you know, I think when you look at when you look at Genesis, um, that if you would have excised the phone call, which obviously I would never do because the phone call is probably the highlight of the pilot. But if you think about it in terms of what was important about that specific leap, if you would have excised the, the phone call with his dad, it would have, like you said, it would have been this nice little short piece of fiction tagged on to the longer mission. And, and I think that um, playing around with that could have been interesting. Um, I don't know that I ever would have wanted to see the show do like three leaps in an episode and have them like evenly divided. I think I would rather it have been Kind of, kind of, almost like when we get the pre-credits sequence of some shows. You know, when you you, you get that, uh, uh, that that five minutes or so, sometimes sometimes it's only like two minutes or whatever before the credits roll. If that would have been like a leap, and then we get like the proper leap into the episode, oh, sure. like stuff like that would have been we, cool. You, you know? like a little teaser, like the thing that has nothing to do with anything else yeah. in the rest of the episode. Uh, by the way, another quick aside, aside off of an aside, bring me yeah. real, bring me back in here. Have you? watched any of Lower Decks yet? Star Trek yes, Lower yes Decks? Yes, I have. Excellent. Oh, yeah. Stick around if you're a Star Trek fan. We'll come back to that at the end of the episode because I want to geek out <laughs> about that a little bit. But uh, we have plenty to geek out about here. We do. We do. You know, And I just want to jump in real quick with something because I, I feel like this is an episode that will be short on our IMDb. So I just wanted to throw out there real quick for mm-hmm. Harvey uh, Laidman that he, uh, the director, uh, had had a, a, an extremely long career in television. Um, and you know, going back to uh, the 70s, uh, worked for, for 30 years um, as a director on multiple programs, um, you know, including some shows like uh, Hawaii Five-0. We get an incredible Hulk. Uh, episode in there, uh, some episodes of Chips, 
Um, we also get the Waltons. Um, uh, you know, just a, just a ton of stuff. Dukes of Hazard, Knight Rider, Airwolf, Magnum PI. So he had obviously worked with Don Belisario before. This is his only episode of Quantum Leap, however. Um, he would go on to do a couple of episodes of Jag as well, so he would continue that relationship with Belisario. Um, but it's just interesting that that he would have that pedigree, that strong pre- pedigree uh, of directing and television. But this would be his only Quantum Leap credit. It seems like he had a little bit of a hand of all little tidbits of my childhood. Right in there, right. Incredible Hulk, yeah. uh, Chips, which my my mom loved watching, like on on TBS afternoons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, we also get uh, Richard C. Oakey back, uh, and it's interesting to note that um, he ha- had written pretty much exclusively episodes for season five, with the exception of a single drop of rain, which was an episode that Dennis and I did enjoy quite a bit. Uh, he's also responsible for Leaping of the Shrew, Starlight, Star Bright, which, you know, I thought was another really good episode. Um, he will go on after Return of the Evil Leaper to write Goodbye Norma Jean and The Leap Between the States. It is, however, interesting to note that in an interview that uh, Harvey Laidman gave to the MacGyver Project website, actually, that um, Harvey's recollection of this episode was that Don Belisario was actually responsible for most of the writing, and he was rewriting many scenes on set so that actors were basically being given new pages like an hour or so before they shot, which is even, I think, more of a testament to how well this episode comes together, if that's true. But, I mean, why would he, why would he say that if it wasn't true? So, so clear that up for me. Did he write the original episode and Don Belisario was doing rewrites on the set or the other way around? Was he cleaning stuff up on the set for Don Belisario? He wrote the original and then Belisario was cleaning things up on the set. Here's what I'm going to say about this episode. (laughs) And it touches back on what I said back during Dr. Ruth. Don Belisario is a man of of many talents. I think as far as pushing this episode into the sci-fi realm, he was not the right man for the job. I love the acting in this episode. I love the character exchanges in this episode. All of my gripes of this episode come down to the the plotting of how of how the leap works. Because if you really dig into it... Now, granted, I watched this episode all the time as a kid. Rewatching the episode today, I realized this is one of those episodes I watched so many times I had the dialogue practically memorized. Yeah. So I didn't catch it when I was a kid, but rewatching it now, the actual plotting of this episode is a friggin' mess. Mm, okay, okay. I don't know that I agree with that, but I look forward to, to hearing what you have to say about it. Sure. So, um, so with that out of the way, uh, I just, uh, you know, I'm just going to say, well, look, we're not going to talk about Neil Patrick Harris because I think people know what Neil Patrick Harris has done. You know, How I Met Your Mother, Doogie Howser, uh, Harold and Kumar movies. You know what I mean? Like he, he's he, the stage work uh, company, etc. I mean, there's been a ton of credits to his name. Uh, uh, everybody knows who he is. He's a delightful human being uh, and a wonderful actor. I'm glad that he's in this episode. We don't need to talk about. Aaliyah or Zoe, because we talked about them in Deliver Us From Evil. So with that said, sure. with all the IMDb-ing out, out of the, the way, way. Now that being said, I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw a wrench in oh, oh. works in here. So I oh, do boy. I do want to read a snippet uh, in, where 
was it? In 2014, Neil Patrick Harris uh, published a memoir called yeah. Choose Your Own Autobiography. Yeah, this was yep. uh, reprinted in, in Matt Dale's book. Uh, it was written entirely in the second person, which is the lesser known of the persons, but it's like you're writing as if you are telling someone what they are doing or what they are, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so his recollection of this episode in his memoir was, uh, you are on a very special episode of Quantum Leap, which is awesome because it's one of your favorite shows ever. You love the time travel premise, you love Dean Stockwell, and you love Scott Bakula. <laughs> he is a sexy, great actor whose work you've always admired in the criminally underrated Broadway musical Romance Romance. It's odd casting, though, because you're playing a bad boy hula in the 50s, and you look nothing like a bad guy. Your neck is long, and your ears stick out inside of your head, and you look like Beaver from the Muppets. <laughs> I just wanted to read that little tidbit there. Uh... Uh, which is lovely. When I read that too, I just thought that that was fantastic. Yeah, and I I had always thought that Doogie Howser and D had already gone off the air by this point. No, they were uh, they were in the midst of their last season. This episode aired yeah. in February. The last episode of Doogie Howser aired in March of the same year. This was Neil Patrick Harris's Law and Order episode. Yes, it was. If Neil Patrick Harris didn't already have a Law & Order episode. I don't know if he did or not. I don't know. I don't know if he had. I don't know if he did. Scott Bakula's had one. I have ne- I've never seen it, but... Uh, yeah, anyway. Uh, also, I suppose, worth mentioning, Michael Menaceri, who uh, plays... Um, Oh gosh, I am blanking on the character's name now. Jerry, uh, Jerry yeah, um, who is the you know the nerd that that Sam leaps into the car or top of the car rather to save at the very beginning of the show. Uh, he would play Wyatt on the television version of Weird Science. They would actually have an episode that was an homage to Quantum Leap, where Wyatt was in Sam's shoes, basically leaping, and they actually used the leaping effect from Quantum Leap when Wyatt leapt. Uh, so it, that's certainly worth worth pointing out as well um but i know that i have a a lot that i want to say about this episode um because quite frankly i i loved it um neil patrick harris has indeed done an episode of law and order he did law and order criminal intent uh so he was uh um on one of the newer shows well newer god it was like 16 years ago now but um there you have it. They sure. Have it. And there's, you know, there's a law and order the, the reason why we call it the law and order thing, it's, uh, especially if you are uh, not here in the States, it, it's kind of in, in American television, if you are known as a lighter comedic actor uh, or known for like fluffier fare, so say Scott Bakula or Neil Patrick Harris, to kind of show that you have darker, deeper acting chops, you do an episode of Law and Order where you play a grittier character than what you are typically known for. Um, yes. It's almost kind of rite of passage for people and like known for one kind of role, like trying to transition into different kind of roles and it, and, in, and in American I think television. Amazing, and I think the amazing thing about it is, and, and this is just the first person that comes to mind, I think probably one of the more famous people to do it, and she did it when she was famous, because a lot of people have been on that show like before they were famous, but uh, Julia Roberts actually did an episode where she played one of the um, accused. And uh, at that time, she was actually dating Benjamin Bratt, who was on Law & Order as one of the main characters. Um, but she would play uh, a, a very different type of role from anything that we had seen her in, uh, you know, all the rom-coms, etc., and, 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 and heavy dramas that she had done. She was a pretty twisted, twisted character. So... Um, 
I would say she's probably the most famous example of someone doing that. Uh, but yeah, there, there, there are a lot of people who, uh, although I guess Robin Williams did that uh, in an episode. But, but I, I almost don't think that he would count because he had played a variety of roles prior to being on Law and Order. And also, I think it's different because he started out on on TV and transitioned to movies, yeah. whereas Julia Roberts. It's usually not so much anymore, but it used to be kind of like a kiss of death. Like if you went from movies to TV, right? That was like that was like a, a bad step down in American. It television. is interesting that in the '90s you did have some people buck that trend, though, like Julia Roberts, Brad Pitt, Bruce Willis. You know, you had some really big, uh, uh, you know, film actors who would. And I, I guess, obviously, with Bruce Willis, he had done television before he was, you know, more well known for film. But anyway. Uh, yeah, so let's 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 dive right in, man. Let's let's jump on the hood of this car. Let's and get leap rolling. in. Yeah, let's yeah, let's just come right on in. So yeah, uh, Sam, he, he leaps in in the middle of uh, he's on the hood, in the middle of chicken race. He's wearing some ridiculous <laughs> Flash season one costume. No, uh, he's wearing some ridiculous <laughs> costume. Uh, I guess right off we get an early shot of of, of old MPH. Um, they're playing kind of a chicken thing, like they're racing towards a cliff, like the first one to, to stop before the cliff loses. Um, I, th- I think Jerry, yeah, Jerry definitely loses, or, or Sam kind of breaks up the fight. Um, the frat boys are kind of closing in on him. A little fight breaks out, and then uh, Chief O'Hare from Batman shows up. <laughs> yeah, uh, Officer Miller, played by Philip O'Brien. Yeah. Uh, he has... <laughs> Look, I have to be honest. Whether this is whether the the story about Belisario rewriting the script on the set is true, or whether these are Richard Oakey lines, I don't care who was writing it, because immediately, like we get one of we get a we get a great line, which is uh, Officer Miller looking at Sam saying, "What are you, a refugee from Joe McCarthy?" Like I just thought that that was hilarious. It is because he's decked out in the red cape and the sure. Let, let me clarify when I talk about when I talk about the plotting and everything, like there are some great lines. Aaliyah has some fantastic yeah. lines later in the episode, uh, about, uh, you know, like trying to egg MPH on like a man's performance and on the basketball court and nothing to do with performance. Oh, of yeah. that, you know, yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. I love that. I'm talking about specifically like the plotting of the episode, but like, the, sure. like the dialogue in between the characters. Yeah. This episode was great. I agree. Yeah, the dialogue sparkles, and, and and the actors make the most of it. There's there's no doubt. I I'm, I look. I'm just going to go right out and say I, I'm a big fan of this episode. I really didn't know what I would feel uh, prior to going into it. I knew it was a pretty divisive episode amongst the fandom. I didn't really necessarily remember exactly how I felt about it, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, I, I I I came out of this being a being a big fan. So. Um, that I, I love that line. Uh, I love the, the the setup of the scene. I love the way that it's shot. Uh, I think Harvey Laidman's direction uh, suits the episode really, really well. Especially the scenes where you have the you know the frat gang uh, kind of looming, uh, um, you know, coming in at Sam. Um, there there are a couple of shots in particular that are really well done. And I think that let's face it, on a television show, being able to handle some of those larger group shots um, is. Uh, you know that's a testament to your ability because it, a, a lot of times on television you're really only called to handle scenes between you know two three characters. So when you have that many characters on screen um, and, and you're able to kind of orchestrate the things that well, I think it's it's worth noting. 
Sure, sure, yeah. And there was a, there were a lot of extras in both the, like the racing scenes of like all you know the the the, the, the frat boys and girls. I don't know students. I don't. Know. I didn't do frats. Um, them watching egging on. But anyway, so yeah, we get this first scene. We get uh, this great moment where the officer asks Sam for his name, and he knows he's Arnold because everybody's been calling him Arnold. We get the nice awkward moment of Arnold. What? Because oh. <laughs> he doesn't know his last yes. name. Yeah. Uh, Arnold, the Midnight Marauder, everybody knows me, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's great, too. I will say, one small nitpick, I wasn't 100% clear <clears throat> on the relationship between Jerry and Arnold. I, I couldn't tell how well they knew each other. And I don't think that that's a big... Like I said, it's a, that is a pretty deep nitpick but I, w- I was questioning I was like did Arnold just kind of pop in out of nowhere to save the day or did he have a relationship with Jerry prior to him hopping on the hood of his car to try to stop this this game of chicken you know that's a great point I realized because after this next scene where uh, Jerry comes up to him and he, and he talks to him about the newspaper article we don't see him again after that do we no, we really yeah, don't. The, the, yeah, the next scene, because in, in the next scene, we get the newspaper article. Uh, we get to see the frat guys again. We get the NPH is upset because now their fraternity is on probation because of getting caught doing chicken races. And we meet Aaliyah in that scene, of course. But yeah, I don't really, yeah, I, I guess I kind of conflate Jerry and, and Jack in my head, but uh, yeah. Which is exactly what I was getting ready to say. I, I almost wonder if the show does kind of a weird disservice. This episode does a weird disservice. And again, I feel like this is a nitpick in having like just that one too many characters. Like why wasn't Jerry Jack or Jack Jerry? You know what I mean? Like why did those two have have people have to be distinct characters? Because I feel like there's enough that they could have streamlined it a bit maybe and just, you know, rolled that into one character and you wouldn't have had to change too much about the rest of the story. Yeah. Or bring Jerry back in some way later being integral to the plot somehow sure. later in the episode you know I don't know but anyway yeah. so we get, we, we get to the scene where we meet Aaliyah uh, do we get Dawn uh, Dawn Taylor that's that's the name of the woman that, that Aaliyah leaps into um, I one thing I, I do really appreciate the fact that we we the audience know something that Sam does not know when we see Aaliyah leap in What, what, what was that? Um, we may have to go back and re-record this because my son is losing his mind. Um, I, I was saying no that I, I find it interesting that we know something that Sam doesn't know because they shake hands and then Aaliyah leaps in after the contact. Yes. So I love that we have this uh, we have this sustained period of we know something that Sam does not know. In fact, that that Aaliyah is there. And I love that. It's exactly what I was talking about in, in the last episode in Blood Moon. Where, um, you know, we, we, we can assume that he's put poison in the drink, but how cool would it have been to literally explicitly see him put the poison in the drink, have that moment of tension? It's done so much better here, but it's kind of the same type of thing that I was talking about with that, that, that dramatic irony, and I think that it works really well here. Um, you know, I, I, just, just going back real quick, um, there are a couple of things that happen uh, when Al shows up 
to Sam after Sam goes back to the dorm room, um, we learn that Sam has changed history already. In the original history, both Arnold and Jerry died um, right, yeah. in the uh, game of chicken. Mm-hmm. So Sam has already changed history. They don't really know why he's still there. You know, Sam's like, shouldn't I have already leaped out? Uh, Al is wearing a fantastic suit. I want that suit. Uh, I want to. I want to. <laughs> I want to tweet at Jean Pierre, and I want to get a hold of that suit. Right. Um, and oh god, and Al also in in another line, no pun intended, of, of wonderful lines. Uh, Al says, "It's you to Sam talking about the cape." Uh, I'm talking about sure. the cape, and I just love that because Sam's the hero. He's you know he's our superhero. It's lovely. It's a lovely little nod. You know, it's it's a little bit meta, but it's also a wonderful insight into their relationship and the way that Al appreciates what Sam is doing. I, I just loved that. Um, also, we get you know immediately. We've already had it obviously in that opening scene, but we get reinforcement about that sort of you know that 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 toxic masculinity frat culture that you know obviously. In uh, PH is 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 the head of here, um, and you know you've got um, in addition, of course, to uh, Mike. There's you know there's Frank, um, you know the other guy, and then of course we also get uh, the girlfriend uh, Dawn. And then yeah, when that leap in happens, it's it's it is great because they touch, and then immediately afterwards, you know, we get that leap. And I do think it's a wonderful setup for the audience. You know, if I, when I was watching the episode this afternoon, Mike. Even before Aaliyah leaps in, like Dawn takes some kind of special interest in yeah, in, in Arnold, and I just like I, I want to know like what was on what was on Dawn's mind. Like if Aaliyah hadn't leaped in, what was her right. intention in introducing herself to Arnold? I don't have an answer yeah. to that. I don't have an answer to that. I just I just found it curious. <laughs> No, but it is. It is. You know, and again, I feel like you know this is this is very nitpicky, but it is an unexplored avenue, and I, and I and I you know it's one of those questions where you almost have to ask: Had we not gotten the extended leap out that we get at this at the end of this episode, would they have maybe spent just a scotch more time, you know, on 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 Dawn and and you know and her relationship maybe with Mike and and and, and it seems like maybe there is something that has been brewing between uh uh Arnold and and Mike and the rest of these guys you know prior to this sure um so maybe there is something there with Dawn um it is interesting to to note that there's you know um there's not a there's not a lot of shock and surprise uh that that Dawn does kind of go with Arnold once Aaliyah leaps in uh, so it does make me think that maybe they were friendly. Maybe they had studied together before. Maybe there was something, you know, not anything romantic. Maybe, you know, maybe she just thought of him as the nerd she could use or whatever. But because there's not necessarily a lot of shock other than the shock that uh, uh, that Mike clearly has, it does make me wonder. Sure. All right, so then we have the scene in, in the courtyard the next day where where Jerry comes running up to, to Arnold and thanking him for for saving his life and presenting like like the newspaper story, where where in the newspaper the Midnight Marauder looks so much more heroic than than what Arnold actually does yes. look like in his costume. Yeah, it's um, it, it's great to see in the newspaper uh, and, and, and you know the article that um, obviously Jerry has has, has written and uh, hailing you know Arnold as as, as the savior um, and. Um, Oh, you know, one thing that, that we should mention real quick 
um, that, that I feel like we, we might have left out is that there is a, a moment um, where Sam is, is, is clearly psychosynergizing with oh yeah and then the room that happens when Alphurst pops in sure yeah yeah. and so uh i think that sam takes a bit of pride in seeing this this article um sure you know and 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 that um uh i don't know it's a nice touch in this episode it actually in in my mind it's the best example that we have had yet of the psychosynergizing Mm um you know i i I really I, i really enjoyed it so um uh, uh, but but yeah, when when Jerry comes running up to him with the article, it is unfortunate because, like you said, this is pretty much the last time we see him. Yeah. So yeah, after this after this scene, after he has his little standoff with MPH and the other frat boys, um, we don't we don't see him again. Uh, speaking of that that newspaper goof that that is worth noting, uh, if you freeze it and you really look at the text of that newspaper article. Uh, the article is actually talking about uh, Deal Clinton dealing with issues in relation to Israel. Yeah. Um, and later on in the library, we're going to see some books that are, uh, what, what's the term for it when they're, when they're out of place? Not anachronistic. Yeah, they're, they're a bit anachronistic. One of my little nitpicks with the, this episode, it seems like there was, um, there was a lack of attention to detail on things like that in this episode. But anyway... Um, Yes, because we've already actually, you know what, it's funny that you mentioned that because there's actually one other one that we'd already seen, which is the Florida Seminoles jacket that's in the dorm room yeah. that Sam walks by, which not only cast out on the location, but the mascot uh, of the Florida State Seminoles was not that version, that's the patch on the back of the jacket, until 1971. So there are a number of, uh, uh. A number of those little anachronisms in this episode. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's one of those little things that kind of slip up in the fifth season, maybe, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, um, know. yeah but in this courtyard scene, uh, we do meet Aaliyah, who leaps into Dawn. Uh, a thing I really appreciate is that we do get to meet Dawn a little bit, and her and Sam shake hands, they break contact, and then Aaliyah leaps, leaps in. And I like that for a good time. Like, we know from the beginning when Aaliyah is there, and I like that we know something that Sam does not. And we also know something that Aaliyah does not. Yes, that. I, I, com- I completely agree. Um, so, yeah, and then uh, they have their little standoff. Uh, basically, MPH is saying that he holds Tom responsible for them being pro- on probation, and Sam is having none of it. And they all go off on their separate ways. Neil Patrick Harris asks Sam if he has some wheels. And Jerry so helpfully contributes that Tom has a Studebaker. And, and they go, I, I love, oh, I mean, it's such, it's such a 50s thing. I don't think we've, like, really leaned to this on Quantum Leap, probably since Kamikaze Kid back in the first season. Just, like, how your identity revolves around your car. Right. Yeah, well, and, 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 you know, it's it's kind of like we get this sort of rebel without a cause, uh, uh, you know, motif here with sure. the, um, uh, the use of the drag races and playing chicken. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, the idea that you have somebody like Arnold, who's the, you know, the outsider underdog, 
Um, uh, you know, we even right down to the the brake line getting cut later in in, in the yeah. episode, which is similar to the uh, the race in Rebel Without a Cause. But um, it's uh, yeah, we haven't seen anything like this in in quite a while, really. Um, it does almost harken back to like Rebel Without a Clue, um, sure, and, and uh, which is an episode that took place like you know first season, right? Like so, here we are, um, touching on on this world yeah. again, um, and it's fascinating because. You, you know, with Sam having been born in '53, and this episode taking place in '56, we're you know we're we're not the, obviously we're not the earliest we've ever been, uh, but we're fairly early in in the timeline. And our next episode is you mentioned off mic earlier is going to be one of the the, the latest episodes. So we kind of get two ends of the spectrum here. Um, and even though there are those anachronisms, I feel like they do a good job of embracing the time period with the costumes, you know, some of the music, although. Buddy Holly's Oh Boy is actually an anachronism in and of itself because that wasn't released until 1957. So we, we do get quite a few of those. So we go from the drag racing scene. The quarry. The quarry. Yeah, the quarry. And now we're back in Sam's dorm room, which looks suspiciously like his dorm room from Running for Honor. It does. It also, it's funny because for some reason, and I don't think it's a, a redressing at all, but it reminded me also of his room in Elite for Lisa. Maybe. Yeah, the layout. The there. layout was similar. The layout. With like yeah. where the door is, where the closet is, where the you know. I'm but sure. Anyway. Anyway. Um, <laughs> it, so this is a great scene because Sam gets back and he is um, in the midst of trying to take off the the cape and uh and al pops in um and al is wearing a stellar blue suit i want to tweet john pierre i want to get that suit <laughs> i'll have to lose some weight to fit into it i'll have to lose the COVID 15 but yeah I'm <laughs> yeah you know yeah <laughs> oh god i feel like it's more like the COVID 20 over here oh um, yeah for me yeah it's generally that it's the it's the COVID 20 but anyway um, I love, you know, I, again, it, uh, uh, along the lines, no pun intended, of what we were talking about earlier with great pieces of dialogue, uh, Al has a wonderful bit where he looks at Sam and says, it's you, and, uh, and Sam's like, you know, who else do you expect to be? He's like, I'm talking about the cape. And I just love that, you know? I mean, obviously, Sam's our hero, you know, he's our Superman, but, so it's a meta reference in a way, but, but it's also great because that's how Al sees him. You know, mm-hmm. Al sees Sam as a hero, and I just think that's a lovely bit of, of character work as well. And I gotta say, on a whole, Al is great in this episode. Stockwell is dialed in big time. I feel like we get a couple of, you know, Alish moments, uh, sure, but, but we also just get some really great stuff overall, and I, I really enjoy him quite a bit in this episode. I do. I agree with that. And this is where we get the first shot of uh, Arnold, what he really looks like. And it just occurred to me as we're talking about it right now, if you were to if you were to hone in on Sam in his early to mid twenties, <laughs> this actor could have played an early to mid twenties Sam. I would have believed it. I feel like I feel like Arnold and Sam have some things in common. Yeah. Uh, there's a, some there's a neat little there's a neat little moment where we get some of the psycho synergizing happening here where Sam is going into the closet and he sees um, Arnold's astronomy books, and uh, and then he starts kind of talking about the Marauder and how you know he's he's out for justice and you know the little guy's not going to be put down. All this and Al's just like, oh no, it's happening again. Um, 
but I think it's a really nice touch in this episode. In fact, I think it's probably the best example of psycho-synergizing that we've gotten thus far. Uh, I don't know. I, I really think Dr. Ruth did a really good job of, of, of him. Like, they, they had a, I, I, see your look, I see your look on the video. In, in, in the scene towards the end of Dr. Ruth, where he's flipping back and forth between Sam and her, like when he's on the radio and he's trying to help someone over the phone, but he also knows he has to get off of the show to go help Annie. Um, I found that really interesting. I like the moments where he psycho-synergizes with, uh, with Arnold in this episode. I sure. think my only complaint might be is that if you're going to introduce it early on, you need, uh, you know, like we said last episode, it's like it's the gun. you got to fire it. Um, if you're going to introduce it early on, you need to have it become a plot point later on, like when it becomes important. That's a fair. You know that's I mean? fair. Yeah. Like if he, like if he was psycho synergizing with Arnold during the during the, the drag race at the end of the episode. I wonder if you could make, and this is quite the leap, and no pun intended, but I do wonder if you could make the argument that as Al is with Arnold in the future, which we'll talk about more. Uh, if if you know as Arnold becomes more stable, if you will, that maybe that causes the merging to to cease. Um, like maybe that could just be my headcanon reason for it. But that said, I do think you make a really great point, and 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 yeah, I, I mean that's um, that's true. It doesn't really come into play in the climax. Sure. Uh, anyway, small. That's the smallest of my quibbles in the plot of this episode. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, so this scene, uh, we also meet Jack. Yes. Uh, Jack is going Arnold's to pledge fraternity. the fraternity. Yes. Um, Jack accidentally, uh, as Al puts it, a level, oh, wonderful way of putting it, uh, Sam accidentally lifts his leg on the family tree by by insulting the, uh, the, the fraternity because Jack's dad pledged, Jack's granddad pledged. Like, this is something that is very important to him. And to pledge the fraternity, you got to do the drag race. Yeah. Um, and we, you know, I, I don't want to talk too much about it because we've actually talked about this before with, like, Animal Frat, but just the idea of, like, toxic masculinity and this sort of, you know, transgenerational uh, uh, toxicity that exists uh, in fraternity culture. And that's not, I'm not trying to offer some sort of Syrian indictment of all fraternities, um, but we just know, I mean, there's been plenty of stories in the news over the past decade, um, again, The Atlantic ran a wonderful article uh, about a year and a half ago or so, I believe, uh, specifically zeroing in on fraternities at Penn State. Um, but, you know, all over the country, there have been you know, too many incidents uh, of hazing, um, you know, usually alcohol-related, but sometimes with some sort of, you know, crazy stunt or, or whatever. And, and I think that this episode, you know, does a, a great job of, of putting that on display, of making it integral to the plot, and it's not, you know, I feel like in Animal Frat, it was used more for humor, whereas in this episode, it's used more as a threat. And I kind of appreciate that. Sure. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we introduced Jack. And we kind of got know. a playboy. Jack's, yeah, Jack. Ooh, that's right. Yeah. And Al's very happy about that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. One of the Al moments that you mentioned. Yeah. 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 Um, but but Sam knows that the stakes are that the that the that the frat guys are are getting out for him, and that bleeds into the next scene. I love uh, Sam's voiceover. Uh, it's one of those things that I remember going back to school multiple times 
as a uh, as an adult now that college is wasted on the young. You yeah. get four years to just learn and have fun without the pressure of everything else, and and, and yeah, oftentimes so many people waste it. Um, so we uh, get the next day. We get Jerry. Jerry comes up with the newspaper, um, the the wonderful write up that he's done for uh, Arnold and the Mid- or yeah Arnold and the Midnight Marauder. Midnight Marauder looks so much more heroic on paper than he right. actually does in real life. Um, it's important to note. I think we kind of glossed over like. Jerry was doing the drag race because Jerry was going to pledge. Yes. But Arnold's actions have convinced him to to uh, to withdraw to withdraw his application. Not only has Sam saved his life, but he's also kept him from being in this fraternity. <laughs> so yeah, two birds, one stone. Yeah. Uh, but then pretty early on, we get confronted by uh, MPH and crew. MPH is unhappy because now the whole fraternity is on probation because they know. By way of Chief O'Hare, they know of <laughs> they know of uh, the chicken races, and so MPH yeah. is holding Sam personally responsible. And then MPH's girlfriend Dawn introduces herself after they shake hands. Aaliyah leaves in. Hello, Aaliyah. We, we saw we saw you coming. They spent well, five right. minutes. They spent five minutes doing previously on. We, Again, we you know, and, and I get it. It's sweeps week. You know, you're really you're trying to bring people in. You're 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 you know you're flagging in the ratings hardcore. You're looking for anything that'll just bring people in to hope keep you on the air for a sixth season. And uh, uh, you had to advertise it. I get it. But in an ideal world, how cool would it have been to be watching this episode with no clue it was coming? And then it happens. And not only does it happen. But Sam doesn't know, Aaliyah doesn't know, but we, the audience, know. And I think that, and it's great. Like, I love the way that it works anyway. Um, Even, you know, having seen this episode numerous times, I'm coming into the episode watching it earlier today, and I still was just sort of like, man, that's cool. That's really cool that they did it that way. Um, Yeah. But they're still in my head, you know. (laughs) I mean, I was was thinking, you know, all of the discussion that we had, you know, about the evil deeper concept factor and deliver deliver us from evil. Like, had the show gone on and, like, she had been a recurring character, it'd been interesting to have those moments of just Aaliyah suddenly popping in. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we also talked about, like, my biggest issue with the evil deeper entire plot line is that they just went all the way extreme and they made her evil. The entire project is evil. They're just out to, to, to fuck shit up. Right. And I, I thought, like, how much more interesting would have been, like, if Aaliyah wasn't evil, but what if this project was from further in the future and they had a different agenda and they thought that they were actually putting right what once went wrong, but they were just very often in conflict with what Sam and Project Quantum Leap thought putting right what, what once went wrong was. Well, it almost reminds me in a way of 112263, the Stephen King novel. Like, imagine for a moment, full spoilers are about to come, by the way, so if you've not read that book... Which you should. Skip ahead for not, you know, yeah. a couple of minutes here, but, yeah, it's fantastic and you should read it. It's, it's legitimately one of his best, uh, and that's saying something. Uh, but, you know, when, when Jake obviously goes into the past and changes all these things, and then gets back and finds out that by changing all these things, he's created this horrible horrific future it's almost the idea of what if sam changing all these things putting all these things right supposedly does end up creating some horrific event in the future and this new project is aware of that so the new project has to send someone back 
to start trying to fix the things that he's putting right. Now, of course, I think the caveat there is, is that in the Quantum Leap verse, you'd have to find some way for, for some sort of compromise and Sam to look the hero in the end. But I do think you're right. I think there's something interesting and there would be something, you know, to be mined out of that. Um, I certainly think that should there be a reboot, um, you know, should Peacock give us that reboot, I think that, um, that that's something that they would have to explore. Uh, because the, the, you know, Matt points it out in his book, and I don't know that I wholeheartedly agree, but certainly I love this particular episode. The, you know, the evil leaper represents something unique and enjoyable, and in some ways is the pinnacle of the mythology uh, of Quantum Leap that they created, and you would think that that's something that they would definitely want to hit pretty hard in a potential reboot. Absolutely. I would agree with that. This may be a good point for me to talk about my gripes with the plotting of this episode. Go for it. Because <laughs> I, I think, like, the plot points, like, we don't need to do the plot points, like, plot point, point, plot point, like, from, from this point on out. Like, we'll, we'll, get, we'll hit the important plot points later. Do you mind but, if I say one thing before you jump sure, in? Sure. I just, just want to say I do love Aaliyah has a wonderful line as they're standing there. After she's leapt in, they don't know. She doesn't know it's Sam. Sam doesn't know it's Aaliyah. And she notices the paper that Jerry has. And she has the line, I think it's wonderful you help people. And again, I just thought that was a wonderful bit of dialogue, some mm-hmm. good foreshadowing, because obviously she's going to need Sam's help. And it's just, it's, it, again, it's, there's something about this episode that almost feels like an appreciation for Quantum Leap. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. I agree, I agree with that. And I, I love uh, Zoe coming later. I love Zoe's lines about uh, uh, frat boys, my favorite subject. You know, blah. I, I love that she is, she is just the counterpart of Al. Right. In, in, in so many ways. Here's my difficulty with the plot of this episode. All right. Is Don Belisario does not even know his own rules of how it works in the plot. Like, like the plot of like, what is Aaliyah there to do? It's kind of garbled and I won't get into the details, but, but Matt, even in his book, like he talks about like, uh, Zoe in a later scene, like she clearly has some lines overdubbed where they went back and written yes. some stuff about Aaliyah, not sure what she's being there to do in regards to Arnold. And then later on in the episode, after Sam and Aaliyah touch, which by the way, I, I, I love that scene. Um, I, I do think it's a bit of a stretch that Sam so easily believes Aaliyah that Aaliyah wants to do good. Um, I do think it's a weird thing of like, Sam just like in the moment like you know hypothesizes oh if we leap at the same time if I'm touching you I can take you with me how how the the fuck do you know I mean you're you're just you're just making this up on the fly sure Um, sure uh, and I love that at the end of that scene Zoe is fine on the both of them and I really like that element but yes what that tells us mm, mm, well no 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 because they established during Delivers from Evil that once Sam and Al, or once Sam and Aaliyah touched, Zoe and Al can also see Sam and Aaliyah for who they really are. So later in the episode, in the drag race, I'm getting lost in my own line of thought here. <laughs> oh no! So so when Sam so so here's the thing when. Because during the drag race, Zoe is playing it cool. She's pretending like she doesn't know that 
Aaliyah and Sam are in cahoots with each other. Does that make sense? Yes. But when Al shows up, he immediately recognizes Aaliyah, but no one puts together that Zoe must know. Does that make sense? I'm not sure. I'm not sure I understand, though, because, I mean, at this point, Zoe does know that it's Sam. She's spoken with Aaliyah that it's Sam. She tells Aaliyah, basically, she has to kill Dr. Beckett. I think that the the idea is is that Zoe is playing along at this point and and, and still, I think, hopes to manipulate Aaliyah properly into killing Sam. Sure. And and Al, I think... Ink is out of the loop enough that he knows it's Aaliyah, but he doesn't know what the hell is going on. Because I mean, we get that from Al too. I mean, Al is even saying when you know when Sam is racing the car, like he's like, "What the hell are you doing? Like, I don't understand what's going on." And yeah. and, and 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 Sam is just kind of like taking control and being like, "We got to get to one hundred percent. We got, you know what I mean?" So I, yeah, I, I don't I, know. I, I don't know. I, I guess my my problem is overall is that in Delivers from Evil, Ziggy was losing her shit in the first half of the episode because she knew something was off. Yes, okay. But she couldn't figure out why. Right. And in this episode, it's a complete surprise. Nobody picks it up. Like, you would think, like, after Sam and Aaliyah touched, at least, like, even if Al wasn't directly around, like, that would have set off alarms for Ziggy. You know, I will admit that this could be be a a tenuous uh, reasoning at best. But I think that it is, I mean, it's established early in the episode that because Sam has changed things by the very nature of his leap in, that when he asks Al what he's there to do, Al says, we have no idea. So I think it's already been established that Project Quantum Leap has no clue what's going on at this point. And when you put on top of that fact that they also have to figure out what they need to do with Arnold in the waiting room, that you got to think that a lot of their efforts, you know, Ziggy's, Dr. Beak's, Al's, are going into helping Arnold in the waiting room. So, again, I'm not saying that that's going to satisfy your qualm at all, but for me, that's how I explain what you're, what you're saying. I gotcha. Is that by is that by the nature of Sam's leap in? Because I, I think the other thing is the other thing that 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 puts Ziggy off so much and delivers us from evil is that Sam leaps into a situation that they already thought was taken care of. So for the, for Project Quantum Leap, they've got to be thinking like, what the hell is going on? We already took care of it. We already knew how this went. Al stood there at the very end of the episode and said, "This is what's going to happen to everybody." Like we we already knew how this went, so why is Sam even there? So I think for Deliver Us from Evil, the idea is is that this is such an unknown quantity. Whereas in this episode, it's more about like, well, he changed it, but he's not leaping. We don't know what's going on. So they almost in a similar fashion to you know what has happened in in Doctor Ruth and what happened in A Leap for Lisa a little bit realize that it's something in the waiting room. So that's, I mean, again, I'm not saying that that necessarily satisfies your qualm, and other people may have the sure. same qualm that you have, but that's just how I go about explaining it. I gotcha. That's, that's a, a fan wink. We haven't used that term in a while. There's a fan wink. Yeah. Well, but, um, but, but I do think it's supported, but I do think it's supported by the script, though, actually. I do. I think it's supported by the script, and I think it's supported by the episode that they are they they are a little frazzled. It might not be as it might not be as overt 
and explicit as it was in Deliver Us from Evil, but I think I think the subtext is there. I think it, it's absolutely there that Al doesn't know what's going on. That they are clueless. That and that he is indeed, you know, upset and shocked by the fact that Ali is there. And that they you know, and that he does think that Sam's in danger. And, and you know, and they are trying to figure out how to get him out of there. Um it's Sam that takes it one step further and is convinced that, you know, they have to get Arnold's survival to 100% before he can leap out. Um, you know, so, so, which is interesting in and of itself, and in some ways, and I'm not saying that this was planned, might actually be foreshadowing of the fact that Sam's the one in control of the leaps. Think about it in those terms for a second. Now, that's fan okay. That okay, I will admit that part's fan Of course it works, because he's making up the rules. Exactly. So, so again, all right, I mean, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll buy that. That's that's good fan work. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I don't know. For me, it's weird. I, I guess the reason why I'm defending it too uh, so hard is that going into this episode, I didn't expect to come out liking it as much as I did. I would agree with that. The last and time I, I watched it was a couple of years ago, and. Uh, I don't remember thinking much of it, but yeah, I enjoyed it a lot more this time around. Because I think I even texted you earlier today and, and said that I would probably put this up in my top three of the whole season, if not top two. Sure. I don't, uh, I'd, I'd put it up there. Below Promised Land, below uh, No Order Run, you mentioned those. I think I'd put it above Promised Land. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. And the trilogy episodes. I like the trilogy episodes. The trilogy episodes. I do too, but I think that the trilogy episodes, in my mind, even though this episode is dependent on Deliver Us from Evil to an extent, and is, uh, um, you know, uh, presages what happens in Revenge, I do think that this episode stands well enough on its own. Whereas I think trilogy, you know, we talked about this when we were reviewing trilogy, none of those episodes, the first one to a degree, but none of them really stand up 100% on their own. Oh, no. they, they, You need all three of them. So, sure. So I think that that's the, maybe the reason why I would place it above Trilogy. That said... <laughs> that's fair. Let's talk about the things we like about this episode. Because there are a let's lot of things I do, I do like about the episode. Um, uh, let's say Al and Arnold maybe for last. I, I love the interchange between Aaliyah and Sam before they know who each other are. I love the scene in the library where they yes. accident where they both make allusions to the future and they both cover their ass. Yep. That's a moment I really that that's that's almost a sophistication we don't get to see in a lot of episodes. That I really appreciated. Yeah. And apparently apparently this is one of the scenes uh, that on the MacGyver Project's website, uh, Harvey Laidman talks about being written by Don Belisario uh like literally moments before they shot it. Oh, interesting. Like he talks specifically about like Scott and, and Renee and Neil Patrick Harris having like four minutes to learn their dialogue. Oh, that's interesting. Oh man. We need to start reaching out to people. That'll be a follow up project. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's really cool. Um, I, I love, and I, and I, I think I touched on this earlier. I, I love, all of Aaliyah's lines that she has later on with Neil Patrick Harris, like all the things that she's doing to egg yes. him on of like, it, you know, it was, it was, it was fun watching you all bumble around looking for, for Arnold when he was safely curled up in the backseat of my car, you know, 
a man's performance on the basketball court, nothing to do with his performance at bed. I, yeah. It's I, great because even more so than in Deliver Us from Evil, we get a real clear picture of how Aaliyah works. And I, 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 I agree with you. I think it's fantastic because the comparing the way that she works and operates in a leap to the way that Sam works and operates in a leap. I mean, she is like, she is a manipulative mastermind. Whereas Sam, you know, he's, he doesn't really manipulate people that often. I mean, no, because he's Sam. Well, right. But, but, I mean, I guess, I mean, it's also a thing like, we know that deep down Aaliyah does not want to do evil. She's deep down a good person. So it's interesting, like, the way she finds to be, like, she's mean. Like, basically, she's a mean girl, you yeah, know? Yeah, right, like, right. Like, she's starting some shit. She's manipulative, but she's not killing anybody. Right. You know, she doesn't want to kill anybody. So, yeah, I can yeah. appreciate that. It, and I, you know, another thing that I will say, again, I think the way that the character of Aaliyah is handled in this episode, and I do fear, based on some of the things that I remember in... Um, for revenge uh, that that a lot of this is going to be undercut I do think that the character that we get in this episode is really quite wonderful and and is a wonderful contrast to Sam and I think that uh, the the conflict within the character is handled very well and I feel like we get some good explanation for why she would so willingly just be like, yeah, get me the fuck out of this. Because we because we get hints, like hinted at in Deliver Us From Evil, but in this episode it's pretty much just stated like, Aaliyah is not doing this by choice. No, not at all. And I think that that, I think that, that informs her character a great deal. That is true. That is true. But I do. I am. I, I, I'm interested. I, I'm very interested to see what we're going to say though next week. Because I, because I, because like I said, I, my, my memory is a, a little fuzzy of, of revenge. But from what I remember, I think a lot of the work that gets done on Aaliyah in this episode is unfortunately undercut. It. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I can tell you exactly why. But I'll wait. I'll let you discover that when you rewatch the episode. Um, so yeah, um, sorry. I'm a little bit distracted. Um, I've had this microphone in my face this entire episode recording. I realized I never plugged the microphone in. <laughs> so this entire time, I've been recording my built-in microphone. It's working fine. Like I, see, I can see the speed up here. I'm just laughing at myself for that idiocy of never actually plugging my microphone in. We're three Man, years in. Are we batting a thousand lately? We're, or we what? are batting. It, it's, that's all right. It, it may sound a little different than usual, but but we got it. You got it. Anyway, we got this. Um, uh, so so let's. Uh, is, is this a good way to talk on to move on to talk about Al and Arnold? You know, I, I do want to talk about that, but before we do, I do want to mention one thing, and that is, and and, and I, I'd love to hear your take on this. But I love the fact that there is a bit of a play on the fact that Sam has an alter ego, and there's a lovely play on identity that takes place in this episode. Um, obviously, you know, Aaliyah being there really even takes it a step further. But the fact that Sam has leapt in to Arnold, and Arnold has this alter ego, the Midnight Marauder who is a hero. 
and and I think that there's just this really wonderful play on the fact that you know Sam's own identity is often put at odds with the people that he leaps into, and that we have, and I think this will be a nice segue into talking about Arnold, and we have someone who is has to project, you know, this alter ego onto himself because his own identity is fractured due to past trauma, and and I I just I don't know I think there's a really interesting. Um, dynamic uh, at work here with that, that you know the idea that um, everyone's grasp of their own identity or at least our, our main character's identity is, is fairly tenuous at best that's really interesting to be honest I never really considered that and I think maybe it's just because like their alter egos come from a very different place um, at, at least at least superficially you know what I mean I was say, but, because Go ahead. Think about this for a second. Arnold is the Midnight Marauder because of what happened to his parents. We can establish and have established that Sam is our hero leaping through time because of what happened to his brother. So two tragedies of loss helped Mm -hmm. to create these heroic characters. Yes, that's what I was going to say. It's just like, it's not... uh it's not as directly tapped into in every single episode. Of course. Or even, or, or even in this episode, like there's not that comparison made. Like it, it's great that you saw that comparison, but it's like they, they didn't try to connect any kind of dots with those. Sure. It's definitely, um, it's definitely under the surface. This is not something that this episode like set out to do. I agree. Sure. And, and I think it's like where, uh, and they really touch on this in the Sam and the Alan Arnold episodes. Arnold is almost coming at this from a death wish kind of thing where maybe he's kind of, well, I mean, like in, the, in their final scene, like he kind of spells it out. Like he should have died too. Like he's, yeah, he's trying to do good, but he's also, he's kind of got a death wish. He's trying to get himself killed to like put himself out of his misery for the, the, the trauma of, of what happened to his, his parents. So yeah. I guess, like, I, I see them coming at it from different ways. Because we're, like, Sam has a row. I don't think Sam has a death wish. Sure. Yes, I would he, totally he, agree with that. He did step into a quantum particle accelerator at the risk of having all his <laughs> atoms ripped apart. But, but hey. You um, know, I, 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 I want to dive into this, but I, but I had taken a couple other notes. And now that I'm reading them, I'm like, I, I think these are worth just throwing out there. Um I do really enjoy the scene when Aaliyah and Zoe figure out, you know, who Arnold really is, um, you know, before Sam kind of figures everything out. Uh, I love the scene between Zoe and Aaliyah when Aaliyah is clearly conflicted and frustrated and angry uh, that Sam is there. I think it's, a, it's, it's probably one of Renee Coleman's best scenes as Aaliyah, sure. period. Um, and, I, and I just really, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, and uh, I, I, like I said, I just think that those are kind of, you know, worth worth noting. Um, but that said, I know you're chopping at the bit here, sir, and it's well deserved because it's some excellent stuff. It's great. This may be the best stuff about the episode. Here's the initial thing that I'm excited about. I feel like the production crew finally got the lighting for the waiting room right. Yes. Because uh, you especially saw it like in all the scenes with Dr. Ruth a couple episodes ago. It's just 
like the lighting was I mean it, it was just weird weird shadows weird yeah, yeah totally. weird shadows like they couldn't figure it out it felt like in this episode they finally got it right which totally. is a shame because we only see the waiting room twice more before the end of the series <laughs> um and that means that these are just uh I, I don't know if there's like individual dialogue that I have these are just great moments between between Dean Stockwell and uh what, what's his name uh Tristan Tate who played Arnold um it, it's just a great subplot and I, I, mean, I think it's the first time and, and maybe the only time we'll really get to see Al with someone in the waiting room where it's not kind of self-serving but it's like in totally in service of helping the person out in the waiting room so they have the right tools when they return back to their own yeah time uh, my only quibble with it is that I, I think in a more realistic world and we could have more characters it would be Dr. Beaks in the room with Arnold but you know introducing new characters blah 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 whatever but uh, I, I really enjoy these scenes and everything unfolding and his origin story is a little cliche but what comic book origin story is it, it's a perfect comic book origin story absolutely it's basically the Batman origin you know yeah, yeah. Leon Kinowski yeah is, is Leon Kanowski, Joe, Joe Chill, Chill yeah. either yeah. way, you know. But but you're absolutely right. I will say, because I completely agree that in a, in a, in a perfect world with, with, with more money and time, it would have been Dr. Beaks. That said, I'm actually really glad it wasn't. Because Stockwell is phenomenal in these scenes. The, the the empathy and compassion that he shows Arnold, the sensitivity of the character that we that we frankly we've not gotten from Alan a long fucking time. If I'm being really blunt, like no, it's, true. Yeah. it's been it's been probably a, like a, a season or more since we've really gotten some of these types of emotions from him. We, we get um, his monologue and nowhere to run. Yeah. Okay. You're right. You're right. Yep. Nowhere to run. Yeah, I mean, that's one of his best scenes, period. So, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right about that. But, let's face it, it's an oasis that surrounds Nowhere to Run and these moments. Um, yes. And, yes. And, and, so, and, and, and so I really love, I love that. And I, and I love, uh, I think Tristan Tate does a wonderful job. Um, you know, I think the, the other thing that's great about Al in this episode is it feels as though a lot of the stuff that is happening with Arnold is motivated by his inability to get through to Sam because he is struggling to get through to Sam in this episode. Oh, yeah. And, and now it becomes clear that he's got to get through to Arnold. So I think the stakes are really high for Al, which enhances the scenes a lot. Um, yeah, it, he's just he's just great in this episode. Like, it's, I mean, it's... yeah. It, it's the, it, it is. It's the best we've seen Al since Nowhere to Run. Probably, yeah. I'm going off somewhere in my mind. I'm going off on Sam, some fan wave where you talked about like this is his way to reach Sam because he can't actually reach Sam. Uh-huh. Like, would have been great where they had an episode because if Sam is psycho synergizing, and we yeah. saw this a little bit with Lee Harvey Oswald of, of Sam poking through. Man, wouldn't it be great if they had a scene 
where Sam just pops into the waiting room for two minutes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And him and Al are actually able to touch each other. Yeah. Anyway, that's where my mind went. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny, too, because when you think about, and obviously in the in the inevitable reboot on Peacock, um, <laughs> the, 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 the amazing thing is, is that the number of times that we would have seen scenes in the waiting room, like think about The Leap Home, for instance, a young Sam in the waiting room with Al. Oh, you yeah. Know? Uh, like there are so many opportunities for for these types of scenes, and I think that it it is in a way bittersweet to have this amazing scene because what it makes me want is more. And I wonder if we've talked about this before, if we would have gotten more scenes like this in future episodes had the show gone on, where Al has a mission to complete as well, and so Al is in the waiting room with you know whoever Sam has left into, and he has to you know, do something for them or get something from them or, you know what I mean? And I, I just think that it makes Al more active and, mm-hmm. and I, and I think that it would not have put too much on cause you know, as you've noted, Stockwell wanted the easy gig, you know, and he was having mm-hmm. a blast doing the job and he loves Scott and he loved, you know, the costumes, all sorts of stuff. So like why, you know, it would not have actually taken too much away from that by giving him those types of scenes. Um, so so yeah. All that said, I just think it's really well done. I think that the you know the resolution um, is, is is touching, and, and and again, the the depth of compassion that Al has for Arnold is quite touching. Especially that you know just that like you were a kid, you couldn't. There's nothing you could have done. You know, mm-hmm. is it, is it's cliched, but it's done so fucking well. I don't care. Sure, and they, they don't beat you over the head for that. Actually, the first yeah. scene, Al calls Arnold a weirdo. That's right. Uh, so they don't beat you over the head with some sort of, you know, like, character arc, you know, moment of realization for Al. But by the end of the episode, it's like, oh, why is this kid such a weird... Oh, 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 yeah. He's, right. <laughs> he's, he's, he's seen some shit. And if we really want to try to string something together, here's some fan for you. Al has had his own revelation with Dr. Ruth just a couple of episodes ago. He has grown and matured. And so now he has an opportunity here to experience something and feel these things for, you know, for Arnold that perhaps maybe he wouldn't have been able to do without having his revelatory moment with Dr. Ruth. Everything goes back to Dr. Ruth. All of it. All of it comes around. <laughs> um, so yeah, jumping to the end of one of the Alan Arnold scenes, I really appreciate the, the cut they did going from a close up of Arnold's face to his reflection mm. in the mirror. Because mm-hmm. um, they cut back to, to Sam standing in the mirror, like trying to put on his bow tie for his, his study yes. date with Dawn. Yeah. Uh, I really, I really appreciate that. But now we're getting towards the end of the episode. And I know because we're doing a kickoff of Rebel Without a Cause, but where. The fuck does this biker jacket come from at the end of the episode? Was was this in Arnold's closet? Right. Like I, I I don't like I I feel like like Sam went out and spent some money and bought a jacket because I think he really likes Aaliyah <laughs> and and he really wants to impress her and I don't know that's so. As a kid, it never jumped out at me. But yeah, look at it's like, what is up with this outfit that Al is wearing at the end of the episode? It is yeah. so bizarre. Yeah, 
No, I, I, I do. I, I agree with you because everything we've seen him dress in before has been so square, if you will, uh, that now to see him, you know, decked out in the biker gear. Yeah, uh, I mean, isn't it, Al, isn't it Al that says you look like Marlon Brand or you look like, what does he say? Hell's Angels, yeah. Hell's Angels, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like to go from what we've seen before to this. Yeah, I mean, Sam, like, he's not a clothes horse. He doesn't go out. He doesn't dress to impress. <laughs> no. He is, he, he's sweet on Aaliyah, and I think he kind of, he kind of wants to impress her. Which is interesting to uh, think about, you know, when, when it comes to Sam's love life and Donna, you know, p- potentially being back at the project, waiting for him. And Sam has found someone who is the only other person that we know of in the universe that would be able to relate to the experiences that Sam has had leaping through time. And they have a strong connection, clearly. Um, You know, I think Sam has definitely got a little bit of savior complex going on here, but he always does, right? That's Sam. Sure. you know, but they clearly, know what each other are going through. Yeah. As they travel through space and time, they want to stay. Yeah. They want to go. Blah, blah, blah. You get the joke. Yeah. Right, Travelers. Right. <laughs> Travelers. Um, Fate's wife wheel. But, yeah, I, I, I do think that it is for, you know, uh, for two guys yelling into the ether here, it is worth just kind of touching on the fact that you know, as Sam is, I think, more than perhaps sweet on Aaliyah, um, that there is someone waiting for him in the future. And that in any other situation, anyone that he has been romantically involved with, there's been a finite amount of time. We knew he was going to leap out at the end. You know, Temptation Eyes, for instance. Uh, (laughs) You know, we knew that that was going to be a one and done kind of thing. Sure. And I don't mean that in some sort of lewd sexual way. I just mean that, I know, yeah, you know, yeah. that, that you know, even a kiss, that was it. Yeah. But with Aaliyah, it's a little bit different. Yeah. They could, I mean, if the series had gone on, they could have, I mean, I'm just thinking, I'm going to let you discover why, but Aaliyah is horribly underused oh. in, in revenge in the next part of the episode. Yeah. And, you know, since, at the, it delivers from evil, like Sam and Aaliyah briefly got to have some physical intimacy, even though it was a trick on Aaliyah's part. Wouldn't it be great before they parted ways forever? What if Sam and Aaliyah could actually physically be intimate with each other? Like, because like they're the only two people in the world who know what this experience is like. What if they could have had that moment during Revenge of the Evil Leaper? Yeah. Now, it would have been in a women's prison, so that had been a little problematic. Well. <laughs> and playing into some bad tropes. Yeah, yeah, you know. But, I'm just saying. Right. No, no, I, I do agree. Or and if there had been I, a sixth season, they, I'm sure they would have found a way to bring Aaliyah back. To bring her back, yeah. Yeah, back. for sure. Yeah, I I don't know. I, the, the It is unfortunate because, I, I again, we'll, we'll talk a lot more about it next time, but I do think that the entire thread ends up being underutilized, especially considering how fantastic of an episode I, I believe this one to be. Um, we do get some great moments, though, and I think that the climax, you know, of this episode 
that takes place during the, the chicken race between Mike and, and Arnold, um, is, is so well done. Um, yeah, we haven't talked a whole lot about Neil Patrick Harris up till now, but he does a great job in this episode because he doesn't, you know, he doesn't come off as one note as he could. No, it's, it's interesting because, and maybe I didn't really think about this until like I read like his own thoughts about him playing this character in his autobiography. This role is not his type. No. Like this was, this was stunt casting. Yeah. It works for the most part, but it, it works in this weird way because he's not a physically imposing jock. Right. And his main protege, like the guy he's always uh, talking to, whatever his Frank, character's name. Frank, I think. Yeah, Frank, that he's always talking to. Like, Frank is bigger and more physically intimidating. And it's just interesting that Frank is intimidated by Neil Patrick Harris's character. You know, I got to be honest, though. I feel like there's a little bit more reality in what we see on screen um, than there is with... Um, I'm really sorry. This is going to be very odd. Uh, Chadwick Boseman, who played the Black Panther in the Black Panther films, just died. He's only 43 years old, apparently had colon cancer. Uh. I, 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 it just, it just came across my screen. I am, uh, I am shocked and, 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 and sad. That is, uh, he was, he was seems like a just a lovely man um ah uh, I, I, was I, that I really was, can't believe that was that out in anything that that he was fighting no colon cancer apparently he'd had it for four years i had just i just watched um the spike lee movie that he did uh uh the five bloods on netflix you know a few i guess actually it's been it's been a while i watched it when it came out but um I thought he was phenomenal. I am, um, man, that's, un, that's unbelievable. I know that he, uh, he has, he has a film in, in, in post-production right now. He's playing, um, Levy in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which is a phenomenal play by August Wilson. And I'm glad they're turning it into a film, but, uh, Wow. Ah, my. That is that is incredibly tragic. I, I think that he, um, you know, what what he represented to a lot of people just by virtue of his role as the Black Panther in the Marvel movies is, uh, yeah, pretty pretty towering. Um, Do you know? Did they have uh, another standalone Black Panther film in the yeah. works? Yeah, there was Black Panther Two was was supposed to be in the works. I, I mean the. The idea was is that he was going to be one of the the main characters in the Avengers, whatever going the next forward. phase was going to be. Yeah, it was going to be him, Captain Marvel, and um, I can't remember who the third was now, but yeah, yeah. like like yeah, phase two. It's ah, I mean, this is a bigger tragedy beyond that. I'm just I'm curious if they are going to recast that role or out of respect for Bozeman find a way to uh, respectfully retire Black Panther 
Yeah, I think that that's what the they'll universe. do. I, I think that the, what the what they could do and what they probably should do is that his sister in the comics, Shuri, actually takes on the the mantle of Black Panther at one point. Um, and okay. I know a lot of people liked the actor that played her, so I, I would imagine that she would perhaps um, perhaps take that over. I don't know. I, I mean, it's it, obviously it's going to be a pretty pretty difficult and heavy thing to um, to handle, especially coming out of covid and you know already being kind of shaken up in general um just with with plans for 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 film but that is uh that is that is that is incredibly sad and you know what here's the thing think about this for a second think about the fact that all of these big films that he was in black panther avengers infinity war avengers endgame though if if, if his battle with colon cancer lasted for four years he was oh, making those movies. Someone, uh, one of the first headlines I saw when I looked for it, someone made the observation that he might have actually been a superhero if he was filming those scenes yeah. while battling colon cancer. Right? Uh, Unbelievable. I just, yeah, I just cannot, I'm, I'm, whew. Uh, Philip Lewis, the, the front page editor for the Huffington Post, he's the one who tweeted. Yeah. That, that, that tidbit about. Oh my God. I am just, I, 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 I'm sorry to bring things to a screeching halt here, but. No, um, no, it's, uh, you know, yeah, that's the. You know, that's the thing about recording our little podcast. I know I, I tend to have multiple tabs open while we talk, open stuff up, and you do too. And, uh, uh, yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I'm, I'm, yeah, I am, um, very saddened by that. I, I think that, uh, you know, he, um, like I said, seemed like a pretty incredible human being. Um, I know the, that he took a lot of pride, um, in his role as the Black Panther and, uh, and, and being able to be someone that, you know, young black children and and young black men could, could look up to. And, um, he celebrated that and, and I think was just, uh, yeah, you know, to boot was, was, was a wonderful actor. Um, in fact, I was telling friends, uh, about, um, his, role in the five bloods. And I, you know, he's, um, I expected because when I saw his name attached to the film, I expected him to be like the star of the movie. Sure. And he's not, he has a very small role. Um, but, but I, you know, I was telling friends, I was like, he, he should be nominated for best supporting actor because it's mm-hmm. a phenomenal performance. Um, and he accomplishes so much with so little. Um, and, uh, yeah, just, just, um, Really, really a shock. Had no idea that he was dealing with that. Well, we don't, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't record this podcast in a vacuum. This isn't the first time we've, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. Uh, uh, we were recording, uh, when, um, uh, when Kobe Bryant died as well. Um, you know, here, here's the thing. We're talking about our, our, our technical issues. 
I may be mistaken, but I think the one where it, it's a very similar situation where we learned about it mid recording. I yeah. think we actually lost that recording and, and I think we may have ended up talking about it. I think you're absolutely right. I think that might've been, cause I think that might've yeah. been for Lisa. Yeah. 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 Well, um, you know, we're, 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 we, we, uh, I think just in the interest of, of, of keeping things real, we're going to leave all of this in. We're not going to edit any of it out. Um, and there's no easy way to transition to the, to the final moments here of this episode. But, um, obviously just out of, you know, being, being fans of, of, of his work and, uh, and everything, you know, just kind of taking a moment to, to collect ourselves here, but we do want to finish up, um, return of the evil leaper. Sure. Um, maybe, maybe, but, maybe listeners as a program, just take, just take a couple minute break right yeah. now. Just yeah. go, go get a glass of water, shut this off if you're driving right now. Right. Just, yeah, just kind of sweep it clean here real quick because I feel like I need to. Yeah. Can we just get the obligatory fuck 2020 out of the way? Right. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, oh. Wow. Okay. All right. Um, so they're in the car. Yes. So Neil Patrick Harris does That's an right. admirable yeah, job in this episode. Yes. And he ends up being the butt of many jokes. But my favorite, uh, because it's somewhat topical in a lot of ways, is when Sam turns to him and says, how did a jerk like you get to be president of anything? And all I had to think in that moment was, we know where Sam Beckett would stand in the 2020 election. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm going to... Oh, I'm going to so meme the crap out of this. meme the shit out of it, man. I'm going to meme the shit out of this. And I know if we still have conservative listeners at this point, God bless you for hanging on to this as much as we have skewered you. Um, Just for the sake of living. You may perhaps be more open-minded than we are. You may, yes. (laughs) You may perhaps be more open-minded than we are. Let me go on a brief tangent here. Um, So a couple weeks ago, I, uh, I created a YouTube video that was the opening credits of season five of Quantum Leap. But I took the song out and I put in, uh, believe it or not, I'm walking on air, which is the theme to the greatest American hero. And I put that up on YouTube, uh, put it up on our pages. Uh, some people have enjoyed it, but I have a pretty good grasp on who YouTube thinks Quantum Leap fans are because now anytime I've gone back and looked at that video again, Something from Fox News always autoplays after that video. Wow. Well, all right then. So I know what the YouTube algorithm thinks. Yeah. Yeah, well. <laughs> oh, I'm going to go meme uh, the crap out of that. I'm going to do it yeah, tonight. Definitely, anyway, definitely do. Uh, I, I love the kind of uh, Back to the Future 2, uh, what's the matter, are you chicken moment in, the whole, yeah. uh, in, in this whole exchange here. Um, but yeah, they, they, they get in the car, Al shows up, we have a moment where Al realizes that, that Aaliyah is Aaliyah. Um, and, and like you said before, like we, we suddenly created these rules that Sam can't leap with Aaliyah until it's up to 100% that Arnold is not going to harm himself after the spec, which I think is kind of a stretch of the plot, but I love your fan wank that, I, well, that Sam, Sam is making up the rules because he's literally leaping himself. He is. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I think that even independent of that in Sam's mind, you know, his justification for waiting until it's a hundred percent 
to get out of the car. Because as Al's telling him, get out of the car, the idea being that once he gets out of the car, he'll leap because he saved Arnold, you know, or whatever. Yeah. But like, but but Sam has to know for certain that Arnold will be safe. Um, and so he's waiting until that number hits 100%. Um, and it and I'll admit, you know, it does take a bit of a stretch to think like, well, wouldn't it be 100% if he just jumped out of the car right now? Like, like uh, why do you have to wait till the last moment? But hey, it works for drama's sake, you know what I yeah, mean? We need, yeah, we, yeah, we need some kind of stakes, yeah. And, and it, it, you know, it is fairly tension-filled, you know, the fact that Ali is in the car with him. The, you know, the stakes, I think, are very high for Sam here, too. We were just talking about Al a second ago, and now all of a sudden, you know, the stakes are high because Sam is not only fighting for Arnold, he's fighting for Aaliyah. You know, he's got Al who's fighting for Sam. It's It, it really, again, I just think that there's some, there, this episode is elevated compared to a lot of episodes that we've gotten, I would say, in the past season and a half, quite frankly. Oh, and sure. I think that yeah. there's a lot of moments, and this being one of them, that helped to kick it up a notch. Um, the, you know, I think that the simul leap, it works for me. Um, I, I get what you're saying, you know, the fact that, like, Sam all of a sudden just creates this idea that if they're touching one another and they leap at the same time, they'll, you know, they'll leap together or whatever. Sure. Um, but I do think that it's handled well. Um I guess I would say if, if I were to rewrite this episode, I would have Al in on that. Mm, mm. Like Al in on that plotting and Al saying, oh, Ziggy thinks that, yes. yep. you know. I, I agree. Yeah. Like, like, like it would be great if there were a moment where Sam was maybe theorizing and then he's like, check with Ziggy, see what the odds are or whatever, something like that even. Yeah, I agree. Um, but... Another thing that I will kind of nitpick too, how interesting would it have been if we had not gotten the extended leap out that we get and instead we just get these two in cells and Aaliyah maybe even thinks they're back at her project. Ooh, yeah. You know, furthermore, how cool would it have been if they were actually back at her project? (laughs) Ooh, ooh. Ah. Or... You know, they, they have the thing of, like, who's taking who with who? Mm-hmm. If we're touching, I can take her with me. And Al says, what if you don't? What if she takes you with her? Right. What if she had, yeah, what if Lothos had taken them? Right. And, like, what if so much of the next episode was Al not being able to get to Sam? Yeah. Oh, this first episode has a great setup. Second yeah. episode, I'm afraid... It's not yeah, I mean, right away we get the mustache twirling villain Sans mustache uh, in in the, the 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 corrections officer who's you know pushing them around, who even utters the sick, disgusting line that the warden's got big plans for you, honey, to Aaliyah. Yeah, you know, it's just all kinds of icky and cliched right off the bat. Um, the only thing that holds it together for me, frankly, um, is is the the relationship between Sam and Aaliyah. The you know the 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 desire to figure out what the hell's going on um, that they've done it they leaped together now what and I think that that is enough of a hook that as cool as some of these other trappings would have potentially been the hook is set you know I want to know what the hell's going to happen to these two oh yeah yeah when I I tell you, when I was a kid like this is I probably remember like actually watching this episode live like this is one of those usually like we recorded them and then I watched them later because we had one TV and we watched whatever dad wanted to watch but yeah. like this was one of those episodes I got to watch live when it aired like both parts on the same yep. night and like I said this is one of those episodes when I was a kid I watched it so much I practically had the dialogue memorized 
Um, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I, it was definitely, I mean, it, the, the funny thing is, is I remember specifically watching it live and then I remember, um, I was, you know, I would tape the episodes on USA, um, generally because they aired late, like they would air, I think they aired like one in prime time and one later, but oftentimes they were out of sync. Like they'd be airing a season three episode at, you know, at five o'clock and then they'd be airing like a season five episode at 11 o'clock at night or whatever. So I wouldn't always watch the, the late episodes cause it'd be going to bed sometimes. And, um, and so I would program my VCR to tape the episodes. And I remember, uh, I was so frustrated because I actually missed this episode the first time around, but I got revenge. So I only had the second part, not the first part. And that flustered me to no end but luckily it came back around again so then i eventually had them both on, on tape yeah. but um but yeah i i uh the, the other thing is and, and matt makes this note as well in beyond the mirror image is that this just feels like event tv for quantum leap and yeah. there have been you know kind of stunt gimmick moments done before but i i would honestly argue that i don't know if anything had felt quite as event as this I mean, I guess Lee Harvey Oswald, but because because I ended up coming away from that episode not feeling great about it on this on this rewatch, I I, I, I honestly want to go all the way back to the leap back before I feel like we've really gotten an event episode of this. Sure. Pattern, you know, yeah, I mean, it's I mean, it's the thing like when the show is so often on the focus on the, the characters that were just meeting from week to week and the people that Sam leaps into and the people around them. Yeah, there's so few episodes where we just get to like really focus in on Sam and Al's story, and like create like this whole new mythology. And yeah, if they just had a sixth season, and they got someone besides Don Belisario doing the science fiction part of it, <laughs> yeah, because I'm still not sold on him doing the science fiction part of the show. <laughs> I, no, and I, I mean, I think it's totally valid. I think it's totally valid. One only needs to look at everything else that he ever did in his career, you know, and, and, and realize that, like, that was not his wheelhouse, you know. And, and to be fair, he never necessarily intended Quantum Leap to be that. Like, the conceit was a science fiction setup, but everything else within the episode was supposed to basically be just TV drama, you know, sure. dramedy, whatever you want to call it. Um but I, I, you're right. I think that the seeds have absolutely been planted for a deeper, deeper mythology, a, a, a deeper appreciation of the sci-fi elements of the show. And sadly, you know, we're, we didn't get very far with that. And, and truthfully, we're only other than Revenge of the Evil Leaper, we really only get one more episode that that really steers into that, and that's the the series finale. Because the yeah. rest of the episodes that we have left to discuss. With one exception, but only, again, it's only the setup, and that's Leap Between the States. Sure, yeah. Everything else is your fairly standard, you know, basic Leap, with some gimmicks, yes, of course, because you've got yeah. Marilyn Monroe and Elvis Presley, but, you know, it's not like we're talking this, you know, yeah. evil Leaper, you know what I mean? No, so, yeah. I think that's why I love the novel so much after the series wrapped up, is yeah. the novels do take it to that next sci-fi step. I mean, just by the nature of showing us more of what goes on at the project, absolutely, and and the nature of of how how the timeline flexes in the future for for Al, depending on changes that that, that Sam has made into the past. I mean, if you haven't picked up the novels, get on eBay, get somewhere, pick them up. 
Yeah, because uh, they're—I mean—they're not—they're—they're—they're—they're they're, they're, they're not great literature by any means. They are, uh, yeah. But they're, but you know, I think that with with maybe one or two exceptions, they're all incredibly readable. They're all—they're all you know pretty enjoyable, and and they do enrich and enhance the experience. I think a couple of them might be a little divisive, like Prelude. I think that some your mileage may vary on Prelude. I think you're either going to love it. Or you might kind of be like, that's not how it could have happened at all. You know, because there are some elements in there that I think are a little, um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about it later. But I think that there are a couple yeah. of elements in Prelude that you can either kind of be like, oh, cool idea. Or really, that's the explanation you came up with? Prelude for me, like, I, I have no quibbles of, like, any of the explanations. I love the setup. It was just a little boring. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know what to say about that. Uh, it's hard to go back and do to do a prequel on pretty much anything. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, but yeah. So I think we're there. We're having. We're we're at the we're at the end of the episode, and yeah. <laughs> given the news about uh, about Chad Bozeman, I'm like, ah, like how do we how do we wrap this up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I, I, again, it, it's uh, again. You know, we don't we don't take place in a vacuum, nor would we want to. And I think that it, it, it's always been our our endeavor to kind of, you know, keep things keep things topical to 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 contextualize things. And and for us personally, in the moment, that's that's what happened, and that's where you know where we are at, we, where we were at in our on our headspace. So, um, I, I yeah, I, I no no apologies for for leaving that in or, or for talking about it as we did and. Um, you know, I, I, I just, I, I can't help but think of not only, you know, his, his family, uh, obviously and his friends, but, but also frankly to the, the people that, that really truly looked up to him. And, and I mean, hell I did, I appreciated the hell out of him. And I, I, I just, everything that I ever read about him or saw about him, he seemed like he was pretty, pretty incredible human and, um, hell of an actor. So it, it is, it is, uh, it is a sad evening, um, for anyone that was touched by his by his work, yeah, that it is. On that note, I'm going to say geeking out about Star Trek Lower Decks until next episode. <laughs> I think that's fair. I think that's uh, fair. But I but I but I do want to touch on that. So anyway, uh, so that's been our episode. Depending on how we record, how we drop things, you may be getting both this and Revenge uh, pretty close pretty close to one another. And uh, on that note, we're going to leap out of here. Yeah. yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's, let's do it. So take care of yourselves. Take care take of one another. And uh, we will be back next time with the second part, uh, or actually really third part if you think about it, Evil Leaper 3. Evil 3. Revenge of Evil Leaper. I don't know. All right. Take <laughs> care, everyone. <laughs> uh, thanks for that laugh. Take yeah, care, everyone. Okay. Bye-bye.
If I 